Hello, everyone. I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Today, we have Michael McAvoy talking with us about how to care for your liver without a gallbladder and lots of great information about your gallbladder and its function as well. So, Michael, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Wendy. So, Michael, tell us uh, what your website is and your background. Uh, MetabolicHealing.com. And uh, the other site is true.report. And I'm a functional medicine practitioner uh, living in California at the moment. And I, um, I'm an educator, a clinician, as well as a researcher and uh, teacher. And I, I love to share uh, information with people, including you know, anybody who's interested about how they can use nutrition, science, functional medicine, biohacking, genetics, in order to improve their health, in order to sort of biohack their way back to ideal health. Yes, and that's why we wanted to have you today on to talk about how to care for your liver without a gallbladder. Is it safe to do liver flushing? Is it safe to do coffee enemas? What can you do to compensate for not having a gallbladder if you've had it removed and to prevent gallbladder surgery because your doctor is not going to give you these tips. They're just going to say, take it out. It's bothering you. And uh, it's just, it's just so sad to me how many people I know that have had their gallbladder out when it's completely preventable, not in all cases, but for, I think for the majority of cases that could have been prevented. So let's talk about what exactly is the gallbladder's function. The gallbladder's function is to basically, its main function is to store and release bile so bile is uh, an essential degreaser, if you will. It's also a very important antimicrobial and digestive aid that is the product of the liver detoxification cycles processes. The liver hepatocytes will basically um, pull uh, toxins and various conjugated molecules out and squirt them into the gallbladder in the form of these bile salts. And uh, basically, every time you uh, eat food, especially with higher fat content, whether it's buttered meat, olive oil, uh, dairy products, etc., your liver, uh, your gallbladder is, is basically um, programmed to squirt out some amount of bile to assist with that digestive process. Now, that's the basic function as is to basically emulsify dietary fats. But as it actually turns out, the bile doesn't only function for that purpose of digesting vitamin A, E, D, K, the fat-soluble vitamins, and for the purpose of, of absorbing fatty acids in the digestive tract, the gallbladder, remember that the bile also is important for removing uh, toxins that the liver has removed from, from the process of, of liver's detoxification. So we often run into these sort of predicaments whereby a person has had their gallbladder removed and, and, and remarkably, their symptoms don't actually improve from that. They say that they feel the same. And, and I think that that's really curious. Now, it's not always the case, but it, it should alert you that just because that's the standard um, procedure that's recommended doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right procedure. Now, if you've had your gallbladder out, it's really important to be proactive about what you can do 
to support your body's digestive functions going forward. Now, what, what I've observed over the years is that individuals that have had their gallbladder removed, they often wind up with various types of digestive problems. We often see on stool tests uh, elevated levels of fecal triglycerides or fecal fatty acids, and that's simply because <clears throat> the, the, the bile that is being signaled to be released by the gallbladder is triggered through different hormones like cholecystokinin, for example. And, and all of these things are elaborately coordinated with food intake, with timing, probably circadian biology is involved in this process too. So if, if, that's, if that gallbladder doesn't exist, this process of triggering the release of bile, which is now having to occur exclusively by the liver, this process, this triggering process is all screwed up. And so we often see all kinds of problems with digestion and, and malabsorption of nutrients, we, we, we sometimes we see low plasma levels of vitamin A because nutrients that are fat-soluble aren't being absorbed in the way that they need to. So the very fundamental basic nutritional recommendation that I recommend to anybody that's had a gallbladder removed is you've got to be on bile acids basically for life. Bile acids are a type of a supplement um, that are simply bile. So this was going to ensure that you are going to be able to break down your fats, ensure that you're going to be able to metabolize your fatty acids and your triglycerides that you've just consumed from your diet. Yeah. And so what kind of supplements would you recommend? I mean, there's lots of options out there today for ox or ox bile, digestive enzymes. What are some of your favorites? Yeah, I like the standard process. Colacol is an example. Um, I like uh, oxbile particularly. Sometimes I'll use tutka, which is another type of a bile acid. Tutka actually works well if there's mild cholestasis. In other words, if there's, um, it, it's, a, it's a type of a bile acid that is useful at helping to break apart um, you know, mild stones in the, in the, in the ducts. Um, but it also can do some other things that are useful to help kind of break, you know, down, break some, break some bile acids, break, break some fatty acids down in the intestines. So I'll use that. Sometimes I'll use beta TCP by Biotics Research, which contains in it, bet, I believe, betaine, which is TMG, which is a type of a B vitamin. And it also has some, uh, things that are going to help to support, uh, you know, uh, gallbladder function. Sometimes it's also used to take, it's useful sometimes to take pancreatic enzymes with the, uh, the, the bile acid support because the, the pancreas and the gallbladder are triggered basically at the same time. So you've got pancreatic elastase and light get triggered by secretin and you got cholecystokinin that's being triggered by which is triggering your, your gallbladder to support secrete bile. So in the absence of a gallbladder, we're assuming that these processes are all screwed up. They're not being timed correctly. So to just try to bypass this whole problem, we're recommending, I, I recommend using doing um, digestive support for the pancreas and the lack of a gallbladder at the same time with your meals. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, and so that that's so key because I mean I knew someone that had their gallbladder taken out and they had diarrhea for an entire year. 
after having that done, it was a young person, 25 years old, just had a gallbladder attack, probably could have just taken something to dissolve the stone or done a liver flush and then prevented their surgical removal of their gallbladder. But if you've already had that done, you know, can't cry over spilt milk. There's lots of uh, solutions to, uh, to help facilitate digestion without a gallbladder. What about detox? What's the effect on not having adequate bile to facilitate detoxification? Because we know that bile is one of the best binders on the planet. It's used to you know, remove toxins and chemicals and metals. Yeah, so the, we, we, we believe that these processes are really not working as well as they would be in somebody who actually has a gallbladder. And it's just simply because the body is timing everything to occur in response to what its processes are normally supposed to be doing. So if, you're, if, you're not, if you don't have a gallbladder, your ability to conjugate toxins in the liver is probably compromised because of the timing of things is, is compromised. So it's, it's always a good idea to look at and support the function of, uh, of the liver if you don't have a gallbladder. I like to recommend phosphatidylcholine for this purpose because it's phosphatidylcholine that is actually sort of one of the raw materials needed for the hepatocytes to actually synthesize bile. And if you don't have a gallbladder, you're relying entirely on your liver to produce bile. The hepatocytes produce bile. So um, using some basic uh, hepatic support, phosphatidylcholine, digestive bitters can really go a long way. You know, gentian, dandelion, um, orange, bitter orange, these bitters can really help to not only improve hepatic you know, function, but also supporting a stomach acid. So they actually can work, you know, digestive bitters are really wonderful to be able to kind of cover a lot of different grounds of the digestive system. So I like to use, in, in somebody that doesn't have a gallbladder, I like to use a combination of bile acids, pancreatic enzyme support, phosphatidylcholine, and some bitters. And, and maybe depending upon, you know, if we, do, if we look at some further tests, we might look at using some other particular nutrients. Obviously, it should go without saying, you've got to really optimize your diet first and foremost. And if you're not doing so, really making sure that you're eating according to what your body really needs, that means making sure you're getting the right amounts of you know, good quality organic foods, protein, you know, your plant fiber, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, my biggest concern is that someone can't uh, metabolize and digest and break down the fat-soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K. And their health can suffer dramatically because of that, from bone loss to uh, just not getting adequate vitamin D intake to uh, just vitamin A, you need that for your eyesight. So there can be a lot of health consequences to not compensating properly for not having a gallbladder. Absolutely. It's a, it's an, it's a real need to be proactive about your overall liver health and your overall uh, ability to really work on your digestive system. And, and I should also point out, Wendy, that we do see people without a gallbladder, they may be more prone to intestinal infections because of the so-called you know, uh, dysregulated bile flow. Remember that bile plays an important role as not only you know, helping to digest our nutrients, but also to sort of eradicate pathogens. Um, it's very common that if somebody has an intestinal infection, well, what happens? You wind up getting 
some kind of diarrhea, right? Well, what is that? Why is that happening? It's the, it's the intestine's ability to detoxify. It's the intestine's ability to try to restore that intestinal balance. A lot of people that don't have a gallbladder have a propensity towards gut infections. And I often use bile acids as part of a protocol if somebody has you know, parasites, for example, or a bacterial overgrowth, because it really does, they really, bile acids really do help to improve and maintain the optimal intestinal environment. And that includes our bacterial in our gut. No, that's such a, a gem. I hadn't really thought of that, that consequence before. But when people start taking bile acids or start taking things to facilitate more bile, you might get a little diarrhea in the beginning, but just, you know, taper it down a little bit, increase slowly, give your body time to adjust to that because you're, you'll probably get diarrhea uh, if you, you, ha- you need bile salts, if you need more bile production or you don't have a gallbladder. Yeah, one tip with that is... I, I sometimes will recommend um, using either fiber or um, increasing fiber intake. If somebody is taking um, bile acids and it's giving them more diarrhea, I would say start at a lower dose and take it with, make sure you're, first of all, make sure you're taking it with food. <clears throat> and I would say, um, take it, make sure you take a little extra fiber, just a little bit, maybe 20%. And if that doesn't fix it, then I'm often then going to recommend Kaishori Google, which is a type of a resin that is a good, it's a type of a binder, but it helps to kind of constrict things in the small intestine. It usually, um, if somebody has like, for example, bile acid reflux, which is the actual sort of uh, reflux of bile acids into the esophagus, I find that increasing uh, you know, using Kaishori Google, which is an Ayurvedic resin, um, oftentimes will help to correct that problem. And so that may also go across both people that have that problem that don't have a gallbladder as well. And so what protocols do you recommend for people to, you know, care for their body if they've had their gallbladder removed? So make sure that number one, you're staying adequately hydrated, Um, Make sure that number two, that you're timing the use of supplements, digestive supplements to be taken with your meal, sometimes taken at the end of the meal. And remember that digestion, first of all, it starts in the mouth. It starts with chewing your food thoroughly because the process of digestion starts when the salivary glands start emitting, start start releasing uh, digestive enzymes. And that's triggering the stomach to start the digestive process. That's gonna start the process of releasing hydrochloric acid. And that's gonna, when the stomach pH drops, low, lowers enough, is when you start producing more pepsin to start breaking down and churning the food in the stomach, preparing it for the next stage of digestion, which is that once the, the, the bolus enters into the, uh, the pyloric part of the small intestine, that's when the gallbladder that's not there in this case, and the pancreas should be producing the bile and the pancreatic enzymes. So remember that you always, again, if you don't have a gallbladder, you've got to really, really be proactive and pay attention. I would say chew your food thoroughly. uh, And then, and then you might even need to take um, a little bit of betaine hydrochloric acid to, to help with that process. If you're feeling you know, upper GI bloating, for example, or you could use, you know, as an adjunct to that, some people like using apple cider vinegar, and they work similarly. But um, 
Uh, I would also say time the use of your uh, time the use of your bile acid supplement with a digestive enzyme. Take it together either in the middle of the meal or at the end of the meal. That's if you don't have a gallbladder, the middle or the end of the meal. <clears throat> and if you're more prone to diarrhea, use a little bit more um, use a little bit more fiber. And you can you you can even take a fiber supplement away from meals, like for example a spoonful of psyllium fiber, for example, or a tablespoon of flax seeds, for example, to help add a little bit more fiber to the digestive tract. And so um, I would say that that would be a really good sort of basic protocol to get started with. Um, as, as you know, Wendy is a detox specialist, so she's really good at helping you to kind of create other liver protocols. It might involve supporting your liver's ability to conjugate toxins by using different uh, detox supplements like N-acetylcysteine or glutathione promotion or even, you know, NRF2, sulfurophane. Um, it's, it's often useful to increase your intake of raw broccoli sprouts, which helps to increase this, you know, important protein in the liver that, that leads to the production of all these different hepatic antioxidants. And the objective overall is if you don't have a gallbladder is that you want to really be proactive and to make sure that you're doing everything to optimize the digestion as well, as, well as the uh, removal of toxins uh, that, that your liver is now going to be uh, challenged to, to, to really get rid of. And, and what protocols do you think like uh, coffee enemas or liver flushes would be helpful to facilitate liver function if one doesn't have a gallbladder? Are there any contraindications or tips you have in doing those protocols if someone doesn't have a gallbladder? A lot of people that I've worked with over the years have said that coffee enemas have been some one of the most important therapies that have helped them for different reasons. And we, we think that they're somehow working, the caffeine is stimulating the hepatic portal vein, the intestines, and that this process is inducing some type of expression of glutathione in the liver. Whatever the case may be, coffee enemas can provide relief in terms of, I've had people tell me that chronic pain have benefited from uh, doing coffee enemas. Um, or, you know, as part of a sort of elimination protocol, coffee enemas can be very useful. Chronic digestive problems can be improved using coffee enemas or, or something that will help to stimulate the, the, the gallbladder. Um, if you don't have a gallbladder, then we're, we're sort of looking at, again, those bile acids as a way to kind of be the main mechanism here. Um, Liver flushes are often useful. So um, olive oil, for example, and um, phosphoric acid have an ability to sort of really squeeze things out. <clears throat> um, basic nutrients that you're going to really need are going to be more amino acids and protein. Remember that, <clears throat> and I should really, this is a really important point to repeat over and over again, that in, in order to really uh, detox the liver, you need water, amino acids, B vitamins. Those are the real basic raw materials that you need in order to optimize the hepatic detoxification and, and the release of bile with or without a gallbladder. Um, so, you know, these, these types of things work really well in combination with anything else that you're doing, like a coffee enema or um, if you're doing some kind of a, a, a liver flush. 
um, like you know using using the uh, the olive oil with the the phosphoric acid and or using bitters with that. Okay, fantastic. And so, do you think that gallbladder surgery can be avoided? Say someone has had you know gall attacks, gallbladder stone attacks, and uh, inflammation in the past, and that keeps recurring or their doctor is telling them the only solution is to have your gallbladder removed, what would you say to that person? I would say that it's worth really working to try to prevent that surgery as much as possible because it is possible to um, break up stones. Um, and we know that there's a number of uh, different types of herbs that work in ways to help break up uh, cholestasis. So for example, uh, rhubarb root is one of these important herbs. Um, we also know that uh, gravel root, like with kidney stones, can also be very uh, effective. Um, sometimes I'll recommend phosphoric acid and tudka as a way to start to um, help, the, help the gallbladder to uh, break up, or help, I should say help the, the bile ducts to start to break up some of these stones that may be accumulating. Um, you know, so it, I, I really think it's possible, and I think you should exhaust all possibilities before going through the surgery. 100%, because all a lot of medical procedures uh, can be avoided by natural means through diet, supplementation, natural protocols, and they're advice you're not going to typically get at your medical doctor's office because they're more focused on using medications and surgery to alleviate symptoms, not get to the underlying root cause to prevent and ameliorate symptoms. So any closing thoughts, Michael, that you have uh, regarding the gallbladder or liver? Yeah, I think we covered a lot here. Um, I always like to talk about prevention as well. And so my, my opinion of the matter is that uh, there can be some genetic predispositions such as UGT1A1, which is known to be associated with cholestasis. Um, but we can always work to improve our health by paying attention to the fundamentals of health. Remember that the fundamentals of health are always going to be the most important things. Sometimes the solution to the problems that you have, the health problems you have, are right there in front of your face, and you're so looking in a different direction that you miss what the solution is. So I would say look to the fundamentals, hydration, sleep, exercise high quality organic um, food intake on a regular basis and, and doing something to minimize stress and toxin exposure. These are really important, especially in the 21st century. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can do all the coffee enemas and liver flushes you want and take tudka and bile salts. But if you are, you know, eating lemon bars every morning with coffee and drinking a couple glasses of wine every night, you're kind of throwing a wrench in all of your efforts to, to heal your body. So have to, you know, can't have one without the other. So Michael, tell us where we can find you, learn more about you and work with you. Uh, my site is www.metabolichealing.com. That's metabolichealing.com. And the other site is true.report. That's true.report. You can go and read my blog and some of the other articles I've written over the years. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Michael. And everyone, thanks for joining us uh, for this video. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. 
This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.